Thank you. This is Boogie Robertson. This is the XFL Show. Unbelievable. This is this is insane. Somebody's got to go get the officials. They used to rough that drain perfect. New York goes to three and two. They knock off Dallas 30 to 12 here in Texas. What it is is a three-way tie atop the Eastern Division, right? St. Louis, New York, and now DC, all three and two. And there are the standings. Locked at the top of the East. A win for Winston Moss and the Wildcats of Los Angeles. Welcome, football fans. This is March 10th, 2020. This is For the Love of Football, and this is the XFL Show. I'm Alan. And I'm Bryant. We are halfway through the season, and we've learned a lot so far in the XFL. The Roughnecks might be unbeatable. The XFL East is tight. Tight. And we've learned that the Wildcats are at their most ferocious at night. This is episode 120. It's different in the XFL. And right here on This is the XFL Show, Bryant, halfway home, baby. Halfway there, Alan. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. What a week uh, in the XFL. What a first five weeks in the XFL, man. We're we're halfway there. I can't believe it. It's unfortunate that we're halfway there because that means we're halfway to the end. Time out, though, real quick to start this thing off. Early time out. We're halfway there, but are we living on a prayer? In the XFL, because I think that's oh what anybody God. needs to beat Houston. Might need that's might the second. Take... I'm putting this out there. That's a, you referenced. I think did you reference a tweet? I think you referenced an XFL tweet because they tweeted the same thing there. They did. There. They did. Yes, they did. I did yes, not see did. that one. I saw some of the other great <laughs> XFL tweets, especially referring to uh, th- where we were in certain games with the time and the score. Very clever. Gotta love social media during the XFL weekends. Some nice Twitter work going yes, on there. Definitely. Alan. Definitely nice Twitter work. And we're going to have a nice show for you here on This is the XFL Show today. Jonathan Coachman will be joining us for our weekly recap of the weekend's action and a look ahead at everything we have going on in the XFL this week, which will be week number six. And of course, we are going to get to our power rankings, Bryant. This week, power rankings, were they as difficult as last week for you? I felt. It was a little bit clearer, a clearer picture, but I, I definitely see, you know, some people being upset with at least our our show rankings. I'm up, I'm upset with our show rankings in some parts compared to my personal rankings, and also, uh, you know, we got to talk awards. I, I love these Tuesday morning shows. Yeah, Tuesday morning shows are a lot of fun. Power rankings, they were the hardest I think I've ever done so far. I think really? I have one in eight. And that's about it. I couldn't anything. You could have put them all in, in a hat, I think, and you would have come out with somebody's power rankings. Because I'm very upset at some of the people on this show uh, when it comes to these power rankings. But also, uh, I get it. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, I'm right. I know it. It's how I. It's how I sleep at night. It's all good. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, are you? You sound like you don't even want to talk power rankings. I don't. I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> no. You sound like June Jones. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> uh, another great liner from June Jones. <laughs> oh, man. June Jones is 
probably ahead in terms of the individual with the most sound bites that we must play on this show. And we're going to hear some of them in this episode. We also, like I said, are going to talk our weekly awards, find out who made Bryant look good this week, uh, the line of the week and all that fun stuff. A lot of stars of the week candidates this week, I think is maybe that's the most difficult thing to, to decide coming out of week five. And of course we'll put a bow on all four of those games in week five and then look ahead for each team uh, with week six here. Second half of the season, I mean, so not every only really one team I would say is in a big hole. Everyone else is is in line, I think, for for a shot at a playoff spot. Some with better shots than others. We're going to identify those teams throughout today's episode. Remember, you can call the show and you can hear yourself on the the Thursday night edition seven two four five six five four XFL. Get in on the XFL fan line, Bryant. We had a lot of good calls. People leaving the stadium. I, I, I've already put those in the pocket. We'll play them on the Thursday show where we like to play the XFL fan line calls. But we had some people who were hyped coming out of some XFL stadiums, especially that L.A. stadium and what we called the game of the year between the Vipers and the Wildcats. Oh, man. I, 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 was it me? Because I was super hyped up after that game. And the did. energy was great. <laughs> uh, I can told, I think we got two calls from that game directly afterwards, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, people were really hyped after that game. Yeah, so give that family a call. Uh, talk about anything you want, really. 724-565-4XFL. At XFL Show on social media to hit us up there uh, during the weekends. Love interacting with you there. You also find links to... All these episodes and many more and all the mini-sodes and all of it on, on social media if you like to just hang out there all day. I, I got the lists. I was telling Bryant before the show, we set up the lists for all the team accounts, and I, you see them going at it. See, all these teams have different personalities on social media too, Bryant, and it's fascinating to see them bragging during games on social media. Like the Vipers were kind of puffing their chests with that lead against L.A., <laughs> And then all of a sudden, yeah, I tried to say hi to the the social media uh, uh, person for the Wildcats at halftime. I tried to give you know busy. some space. Too busy, too busy. They were hacking away. Yeah, get out of here! Uh, they were doing. He gave you the <laughs> pretty much. Get out of here! Pretty much. Get get out of here. Uh, all fun and games though, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of ex- a lot of fun watching these accounts. Uh, XFL on Fox is another great one. Uh, the XFL twenty twenty. All these accounts are just having a good time. So uh, fun. On, well, it so is much fun, fun being a football fan in 2020 because in this year we have football in the spring and we have football on social media to go along with it. It's, I mean, these weekends are just nonstop fun is the one word I think we're going to probably say the most uh, this week coming out of week five. It was a blast, a lot of memorable moments, and we're going to get into them here in just a second. But real quick, we need to remind you that if you want to get suited up and and wear your gear, wear your your Battlehawks gear, your Defenders gear, or, or your Wildcats gear, whatever team you're rooting for, you want to go. You want to go to XFLShop.com. That's the place to do it, Bryant. The online store for authentic XFL gear, dressed like the pros, like the coaches, like I mean that that jacket Jerry Glanville had yesterday on the sidelines. I gotta get one of those. I'm hoping they put those on the shop pretty soon. That man, if you know, there's a fashion award in the XFL. I think he's head and shoulders above the rest. But you I don't get, know, actually, because really? Jim Zorn's looking pretty good every single week. He's got something different. That <laughs> polo, does. that white polo he was wearing this weekend was actually really nice. Uh if if you're into the substitute t shirt look, teacher look, yes, Jim Zorn's your 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 fashion uh temp, template there. Uh you can get jerseys, player hats, coaches hats, 
get in the spirit with t-shirts. I jinxed the Battlehawks this weekend. Bryant wearing a Battlehawks t-shirt. My bad. Tops, sweatshirts, and your favorite XFL of your favorite XFL team. And you could celebrate the love of football in your official XFL gear. Go to XFLshop.com today. Now let's do it. Let's start dinking and dunking around the league. Stemming out of week number five. Lots to get into. And we're coming out of here looking like a bunch of bandits. Right here, this is the turnover match. Takeaway match. We robbing. Give me lit. We robbing. That was Marco Myers, <laughs> Bryant, wearing the, the Dragons turnover mask, which we've talked about. We robbing. They robbing. They were robbing well, in they, that game. They got robbed, I think, more so. We'll get into that Ooh, here in a little bit. Ooh, damn. A lot of people <laughs> were saying that on social media, too. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the finish of the Houston-Seattle game. But that game was one of two games this weekend, Bryant. Two games, double-digit leads given up which I think is just so indicative of what the XFL is all about. No lead is safe, and you saw it. They got they got robbed, but also, you know, Seattle, they, Houston got after them too and got that took that game back over. Uh, but the new big news, I think, coming out of the weekend is for another team. Even though that was a controversial finish, Dallas, are they, in, are they the new team in disarray? It seems like every two weeks – you got teams switching off on who's in the most trouble, who's who's on alert in the XFL, Bryant. It was New York. It was D.C. Both those teams got on the right path. Now I feel like it's Dallas. And unfortunately, worst news I think we've had to report so far. Hal Mummy stepping down as offensive coordinator reported earlier today on XFL.com and via the Dallas Renegades on Twitter. I mean... The injury, broken leg two weeks ago. He coached in that game. He coached from the booth this weekend, but it just wasn't the same. Apparently, the official word from the team team was, uh, and from Bob Stoops, was we appreciate Hal's hard work and efforts with our squad, particularly after his injury last weekend. Unfortunately, it prevented him from performing in the way we needed for the Renegades. So Hal Mummy out as O.C. Bryant. They will replace him with Jeff Jadzinski, previously the offensive line coach, who will also share play calling duties with Bobby Blizzard, an assistant offensive coordinator, and it's going to be a team effort in the coach for the coaching staff now with the offense, an offense that looked horrible this past weekend. Yeah, they didn't look really good, but I think that was maybe the players more so than anything. Uh, when you look at that uh, <laughs> that how mummy injury, you didn't see he didn't hobble off. He was he looked fine. It was just something that unfortunately uh, for him. He, he, you know, broke his leg or broke his foot. I think it was foot leg, uh, tried to do tried to battle through it, but you know, Dallas decided it was better that he rest up and just become an advisor. So good for them. I, I think if they think that this is the right decision, but you're right, Alan, there's always a team. It seems like every few weeks that runs into this wall. And right now, as we speak, uh, it's Dallas and, and they don't have, you know, I don't know. No, no Landry Jones again, I believe this week. So it's going to be interesting for this team. Yeah. I mean, I definitely would say they're that team this week. I don't like where they're at. I I mean, 30 points to the guardians, the guardians who have struggled to score, but a lot of those were just because they made big plays on D Dallas's offense with Philip Nelson just isn't, I, I'm not putting this on Hal mummy or any coaching, anyone on the coaching staff offensively. Or anyone really, except Philip Nelson, just didn't get it done. So inaccurate. I don't know. I think without with Landry Jones hurt, maybe try someone else. You got Brogan Rowe back there. You got Eric Dungy Bryant. 
I'm hoping to see that from them this week. But this Hal Mummy situation does not help that. And I I, I don't know. Those two, two other teams we talked about got out of their mini holes, D.C. And, and New York. Let's see what Dallas is up to because I think their team is very talented. But a loss at home, they have to win at home. Play fast, do it again. So hopefully this <laughs> offense gets on the right track. We wish Hal Mummy the best, man. He was one of my favorite parts of watching the XFL in general. And now he's just going to be kind of an advisor uh, with the with the Renegades. But ooh, this team, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not ready to say they're worse off than DC was going into this week. But with the, how LA looked. But you never know, like you say, anything could happen. It's a week-to-week thing in the XFL, Bryant. The beauty of the 10-week season. you got to turn it around quick, but these teams have shown that they can so far. Well, they have. The, the, the problem with Dallas is they've shown what they can do with the the players that they have at their disposal. And right now, it's not good things. But you never like I said, New York turned it around. D.C. turned it around. Uh, we'll just hope for Dallas to do the same. Uh, headed into week six. I think they're in, they're in D.C. this yes. week. So. They're in D.C., on a Sunday afternoon matchup for the Dallas Renegades uh, team. We'll talk more about when we recap that loss to New York in just a moment. Going around, dinking and dunking the league here, Bryant, transaction-wise, just two to really uh, mention here. Uh, coming out off of Week 5, D.C. waived defensive back Jalen Myrick, who you know preseason got a lot of buzz as a, as a, as a speedy DB that you might see featured and out there a lot for them. Uh, doesn't uh, that's two that's back to back weeks DC's dropping secondary guys yeah. in the secondary but didn't skip a beat this past week against St Louis so eh, don't, don't give them that didn't skip a beat yeah yeah well with that how that D line played they didn't need a secondary almost <laughs> that's what I was say don't give them credit it wasn't them who won that game <laughs> it was the defensive front for the DC defenders absolutely you're right there um, and then also uh, quarterback movement Tampa Bay has waived Chase. Lighten, Litton, uh, he's out. They did, they did get uh, Flowers back, so that's probably a part of it um, for your transactions early on in the week. And then we must acknowledge coming out of week five, Bryant, before we move on to the cover two, uh, I do want to acknowledge some something that I don't think has been mentioned enough on social media or by the announcers over the weekend from any of the broadcast partners. And this is something that I think really we, we need to really – Take a moment, take in, and say week five was all about great big fatzos. Great big <laughs> fat guys showing up and balling out. Shout out to Boogie Roberts, friend of the show, with a scoop and score for the Wildcats. His teammate Reggie Howard with an INT in that game. And then, oh my goodness, a 340-pounder catching the football, taking it away from the Renegades. That's Toby Johnson of the New York Guardians. Great big fat guys, Bryant, killing it this weekend on defense. Gotta love it. Well, there was also, I think, uh, another interception return by uh, a New York Guardian as well, if I'm not mistaken, Alan. Uh, uh, So uh, uh, for interior and defensive linemen in general, it was a great, great uh, uh, weekend for sure. Uh, You got to give it up. Anyone and anything can happen in the XFL. It can happen to anyone. And for this week, it was the big guys that, yeah, that, well, that cashed in on that. Anything could happen. You bring up Ryan Miller's uh, Miller's pick, and that was a pick six. But he's like almost – he's like a linebacker defensive end, 250. I'm not going to call But where him he him. was playing, give me a break. Come on. Yeah, but he's not a great big fatso, like a big fat guy. <laughs> That's what it's about. Not, Ryan Miller, you get out of here with your 
trim 250. That's the we I mean we it's cool to see but that's not what we're getting at here. This we're acknowledging another group here. So there's a weight of weight minimum players. for this category. Yes, gotcha. Yes. Okay. So I'm just writing this in the notes for next time. Shout Three out to the fat guys. <laughs> and then also, I don't know if you have anything pegged from social media, but I pick my favorite thing coming off from players on social media. I love seeing what they post after the weekend. And I, I think Tavares Barnes, def, D.C. Defenders defensive end, hit the nail on the head when he said, at Barnes Tavares, he said, I ain't going to hold you. The XFL, a dope-ass league, get to drink beer with the fans, no fines, at XFL Defenders. <laughs> Alan, right now we're watching it on uh, <laughs> on uh, YouTube, and he, chicks, he waterfalls the beer, which is great, but then he... <laughs> It has a uh, St. Louis Battlehawks koozie on it. Insult <laughs> to injury. <laughs> oh, man, it's great. Uh, they're having a lot of fun there. We saw another, almost another uh, beer incident, right, when the guy got kicked out of the game. I forget his name. Uh, he was being asked to drink a beer. He said no. <laughs> but uh, That was DeMarcus Gates, who, when had. he got kicked out, they're like, why would you get kicked out? He's like, I don't know. I was just making a play. <laughs> but, and then he declined <laughs> It would have been it would have been pretty awesome if you got kicked out of the game and started chugging beers like Stone Cold Steve Austin on the but you know Gates is he's like one of the best in best shape guys in the league and I don't know I didn't see him throw a punch in that play why did he get kicked out of that play I don't know might have refs might have had the wrong man I don't know I don't know in that one but yeah that's one that went viral too interviewing a guy who just got kicked out of the out of the game who where else are you going to see that but in the xfl bryant something we saw way back in the the scrimmages twice. down in houston <laughs> <laughs> uh, we saw it twice anything else from social media i mean the, the weekends that the, just watching these games the the access on the tv screen is one thing and it's amazing and the games the the quality of this football has been great we've seen huge plays every weekend no shortage of big plays and fun football but then if you're on social media during these things, it's quite entertaining, Brian. Oh, social media is one of my favorite things to be on while watching these games. It's hard. It's like you have to – your eyes have to be multiple places. Your ears have to be multiple places. It's, you're just all over the place, really. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it, like, it's a lot of fun. It's like, uh, you know, you see the old-timers at the baseball games who like to keep score, you know, and they're, they're marking the game that way and keeping track of everything. <laughs> We do that now, but we do it with Twitter, and we're watching the, we're watching tweets while yeah, no, we watch right. these games, and it's great. Uh, you know, it, it is good, and that's why I like you know when I go to a game, it's a lot of fun because I go to the press box because I can do that. I can be in the energy of the game, but I can still be on my computer doing all the nerdy stuff that I like to do on Twitter and talking to people and and interacting with you guys because you're not at the game like you weren't at the L.A. Uh, Vipers game yesterday. Uh, so it's still I was not pretty cool, but. Yeah, Mr. Press Box. You see, I had to sit at the press box with you at the Battlehawks game, and then I dragged you away from it. I like to be out in the crowd. I'm trying to get near right. more, more cacaz. I want to be near that beer snake. That's what I'm about. And maybe sneaking uh, on the field if no one's looking. Please please allow me to ask a stupid question, yes. and one that's been baffling me <laughs> for a while. <laughs> the floor is yours. What is What is... The biggest difference from watching a game at the stadium to watching it at home. Because they're both great. They are. Is and it the it, atmosphere? That's, I mean, obviously the atmosphere, but that's not what I mean. I mean, 
what makes it so different that you're like, I have to go to the stadium or do I stay home and watch it? Do I have to go to the stadium? Do I have to go home and watch it? Yeah, like, it's it's a total it's a it's a totally different experience. And it depends on I, I would say your mood, what kind of person you are, <laughs> what kind of what kind of experience you're looking for. But that's the great thing. I think they interviewed Heather Brooks Carrots during the Wildcats Vipers game, Brian, and she really, I think said it all she said you come to these games or something literally from someone who's eight to 80 so you can go to the stadium and have a different experience be a part of the beer snake group getting nuts drinking putting boxes of beer on your head and taking your shirt off painting yourself wearing you know whatever goofy stuff you want to wear and there was have a there was time. a mr excitement fatheads did you see yes, those on tv i saw those yeah <laughs> Carter, fatheads. or you could go sit with your family eat some popcorn watch some damn good football and and live it up that way or you can sit on your couch at home and watch these crazy crazy broadcasts where you feel like you're on the sidelines because you basically are of a football game and it's incredible and i think that's an excellent segue into the sound that's going to take us bryant into this week's cover two this is absolutely legendary I'm telling you, I'm telling you that you picked up the flag and it's wrong. It's wrong. He said it to you. You were the only one there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Get out of here. I don't, I don't want to talk anymore. I, I had my conversation and you know I'm right. So it should be 15 yards. I am right. That's your, that's your opinion. No, I know I am. I know I am right. I like the referee giving June Jones the the big Lebowski that's like your opinion man <laughs> like whatever <laughs> go ahead get out of here June Jones versus the referees is my favorite rivalry right now in the XFL <laughs> really what that's the hell your favorite you're doing in this league <laughs> it's a pretty good one it's a good one uh I I think that one and then uh, Jim Zorn battling the play calling, I think, is another great oh, rivalry right now in the XFL. Oh, no. Low blow. Man. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, but, you know, there's something to be said for that. We'll get to Zorn in a second. Let's talk awards. Star of the Week candidates, Bryant. A plethora of them. Uh, and I really, I mean, this is, I think, the most difficult week if you're a fan voting on this on Twitter. Uh, you've got Josh Johnson, who had four touchdown passes, 288 yards in the highest scoring game in XFL history for the Wildcats win. Uh, Kenny Robinson, young defensive superstar, budding superstar, uh, a, a pick, a timely, timely sack for the Battlehawks, was all over the field, pass breakups. I mean, he killed it in that game in a losing effort for his team, but I would not blame their defense really for – I mean, they held a team to 15 points and lost that game. That's tough. Uh, so he's definitely worthy. And then old reliable Cam Phillips, Mr. Inevitable, uh, two touchdown catches, 10 receptions after only having, what, one last week, Bryant? 122 yards, three candidates that stick out right there. And also I'm going to throw in Mr. Walker, defensive tackle for the Guardians, who isn't an official candidate. He'd be a ride-in candidate for me, though. I mean, I think the biggest beast on any defensive line so far this season, two sacks, five tackles, I think a couple for loss in that game, Vaughn Walker. I mean, this is a tough vote. Who'd you go with, Brian? Who are you voting for? Well, Alan, I want to ask you something because you said, and I quote, because I was uh, debating whether to give this to uh, Jordan Talmo in week one in a losing, I'm sorry, week two in a losing effort. You said it would take a lot in a losing effort for me to vote somebody the star of the week. Yes. 
You think that was enough what Kenny Robinson did? No, I, that's why I didn't vote for him. But I, I see why he's a candidate. <laughs> I see why he's a candidate for that. Well, vote he was the best player on the Battlehawks that day. I would say yeah, that um, for sure. I did. Yeah. I voted. I voted for Josh Johnson because it's not just stats. It, not, to me, it's not just stats, right? Oh, Ken no. Phillips stats, but Josh Johnson, and we're, we'll get into it later with the coach when we have that conversation with him. Put but Josh Johnson put the team on his back. He put the coaches on his back, Alan. That's something you don't see every single week. When you put the coaches on your back, that, that, that's like automatic. To, to lead a team back from, what was it, 18 down? I think it was at one point. Josh Johnson completely 17. right now. And he's, he's he, 17. 17? Don't, don't, yeah. Don't, we, don't don't, we don't want to I embellish. thought it got to 18. It was a 17-point lead at one time. Okay, fine. 17. But to to um, to – to, to not give that man star of the week, who's actually, I think, at this moment in time, given P.J. Walker his run uh, for the money for MVP as well in this league. I don't think he's given him a run for the money yet, but he's injected himself into the Jordan Tamu, P.J. Walker, Cam Phillips conversation. And I think he's without a doubt, Josh Johnson being he, uh, the the best leader in the XFL. I mean, that. That is so evident, and that's the beauty of this this league, too, is we get so much access. We see the leadership roles taken on by players on the sideline, and Josh Johnson, I mean, w- what more can you ask for? Telling his team to, you know, be cool when they're down by 17, telling his teammates, getting his coaches in line, like you said, I mean, and then going out there and executing. I mean, after a bad throw to start the game, first play of the game, uh, you know, slow start, to get in his own mind and get that right as well. That's incredible, uh, you know, stick to fortitude, uh, mental toughness, and also to galvanize the entire team around that himself, you know, fixing his own play, taking ownership of his bad play. That dude is just all kinds of awesome. He did it without a mouthpiece. And without a mouthpiece. Yep, he lost his mouthpiece pregame. The, the controversy, did we ever find that? Is that is that the big caper that we got? I think the Vipers took it. I think so. someone... <laughs> Someone check uh, Jerry Glanville's pockets. Jerry Glanville's wearing a mouthpiece, coaching. <laughs> you know, his pockets. He's not wearing it. He's in his pocket. I say he was wearing it. <laughs> Jerry Glanville. Let's go. Uh, you know, Dan, you know, hold X on. Buzz. Uh, look, we don't know Jerry Glanville very well, but he does seem like if he found the mouthpiece, he'd put it in his pocket, <laughs> not knowing who it was. I'm going to keep this for safekeeping just in case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my vote goes to Josh Johnson too, Bryant. The four TDs, the the a big comeback, is biggest comeback in XFL history, most points, most scored points in scored. XFL history. What more can you ask for? And just an absolute leader, best leader in the XFL, if you ask me. It's his award this week. If if you're voting for him, that's what I would say. But we'll see who comes out with it. Cam Phillips, you can't argue, is just killing it. Ten catches for a buck twenty two. Fantasy-wise, doesn't get any better than Cam Phillips. Uh, let's go to now our own award. No Nelson Brian. Spruce, real quick, sorry. No Nelson Spruce for Josh Johnson as well. Another factor to uh, throw in there, too. You're right. Uh, let's get to our our awards now. First, mine, the This Was XFL Football Award, Bryant. Uh, the moment that encapsulated what it means to be the XFL, what the XFL is all about. And in week five, well, the star of the week, who I, I'm going to vote for, also taking hold my This Was the XFL award. Coach, I, y'all doing way too much arguing and complaining. Call plays. Stop that. Stop it. Norm Chow and Josh Johnson's exchange 
on the telephone amidst the chaos of a, of a, a, a furious comeback. LA's getting back into it. They got their groove going, but people are still arguing. The coaches are in his ear. He's just trying to relax and play ball, and he tells his coach that that was an epic moment, and not only did he get Norm Chow's ear and, and speak his mind down, and show Alan. the leadership, down. he goes out there and he does this, Brian. Josh Johnson trying to extend the lead. Wide open. Touchdown, Los Angeles. Saeed Blacknall. Just keep scoring. Just keep scoring, leading, scoring, telling Norm Chow what's right. It doesn't get any more XFL than that. That was XFL football. <laughs> uh, the access that we get that you wouldn't you wouldn't see that moment if you weren't watching the XFL. If you're watching some some sort of other XF, uh, excuse me, football, professional football that is. Uh, so yeah, down. I'll give it to you. That was a good one. Calm Just down. Calm down. Calm down. Just calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Alan, we got some other awards here that we always do. Right? What is it? The uh, the line of the week. Oh, Where did that one? Because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. There were so many lines in, Remember, in week five. Rated PG, by the way, just and, in case. And talking to Vince, who's in charge of, of p- picking this award out each weekend, he said, man, I don't know. Pick it out of a hat. And I said, I'm not going to pick it out of a hat. There is one that was my favorite. So uh, I chose it. And again, you know, Bryant, we're going to have to go to uh, the L.A. Wildcats. Who, who win this award because, well, yeah, we're going to ask Jonathan Coachman there. I don't know. What do you think about asking a player not not to curse? Do you think that's wise? I don't think it's wise, but the player should also know not to curse is also the thing. So. They should, but also they should. I like when they throw themselves on the sideline in the heat of the moment and Reggie Howard, you know, maybe not the, the PG, but still. Line of the week. How different it is. Please no cursing. Please no cursing. You looked you, you looked real comfortable running with that football. This is a what? You looked real comfortable running with that football. Yes, sir. Hey. We're gonna give him a second to breathe, Tom. Please, no cursing. I like how he was he was censoring himself too. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> All right, Alan, p- please allow me to ask a stupid question. One that's been baffling me, you know, for a while now is what is the latency between when the broadcast is and when this could happen? Because it's like that beep went on or whatever. The, the silence went on for a very long time. I, I always worry. She's asking him not to curse. I guess the ESPN is probably gonna have to up that live feed. 10 15 20 seconds maybe i don't know what that i think is. they i think week one honestly as a well, mostly a radio nerd who knows about i know about the 40 second delay is what i've worked with a lot where you got a 40 second i mean that's a lot of time to make a to hit a, a sense or bleep or cut out some audio or hit that that drop button uh, but I think week one and two, ESPN and Fox both went with less of a delay, but they definitely have one on now as they were able to catch that. <laughs> yes. So when, when you have the delay, uh, honestly, why why say no cursing? I mean, I, I would just – they should know that. They should know better. You're on national TV. You're well, you want to get a good interview. Your, your mom might be watching. I mean, I mean, Reggie Howard, you could do you. But I also don't think you need to be like, hey, no cursing, young man. No Tell us about the play. <laughs> you know, that's also <laughs> she didn't say that. Yes, politely give her, give her some credit. There. She did. She did ask nicely. I mean, this is it's his moment to shine. It's a big, he, a he big, great big to... fatso who just scored a big or just got a big pick, and in the heat of the moment, that all going on. Plus, you know, this is a 
a big football player. We're not talking about, uh, you know, he's. I don't know if Reggie Howard was a Rhodes Scholar nominee or not, but uh, the fact is, a lot of people, if you tell them not to do something, Brian, they're going to go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Pretty much. Well, most people. Uh, yeah, it, it, it not really to is. generalize, but. Yeah. Well, I tell my I tell my wife not to do my laundry to prove me wrong. She does it every single day for me. So it actually works out in real life. It's smart. That's very <laughs> smart. See, I tr- I tell my I try to tell my fiance, yeah, I'm not gonna do the laundry, and uh, you shouldn't do it either. How's that couch? And then she How's says, that couch? and then she says, then you're gonna just have dirty clothes, and I'll say I'll do the laundry. So that's how. Yeah, I know. Yeah, your fiance is a little different than my wife, yeah. so I'm with you on that one. Uh, enough wife talk here, Alan. My uh, we've wife. Given this award. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the next two, uh, the next award we've given to the same man twice uh, for his awesome, awesome celebrations, and I'm talking about Jordan Smallwood. But we asked, how can you give it to him a third time? How? What's well, simple? You take that pose that Alan's doing right now. And you go into the stands and do it as well. And he did, I believe, after a two-point conversion, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, it has to. He, he's upping himself, which is great. That's how you, you don't want to give it to the same man over and over again unless he's doing something different with the same pose every time. Like if he gets on the goalpost or something or somebody's shoulders or if he can do it next to Moss. I'll give no. him, if you're listening, if you're listening, small uh, Jordan, do it next to, to, to Coach Moss. I what have it. Saying? I have it. I have it. I got. The, I got the idea. Your best friend, call her up. HBK, Heather Brooks Carrots. She can. She can get this done. My Jordan, best friend, Jordan Smallwood, scores his next touchdown at, D- at Dignity Health, in the end zone. They have a designated space for him to run, and Heather Brooks Carrots tells him, "When you score, Jordan, just go to this spot, and we'll do the rest." He does his pose, and they should just have like a whole bunch of pigeons or or doves how about a golden sh- like the golden the golden shower uh oh no what are you talking about this is a <laughs> the, the firework Howard. no the golden firework shower <laughs> the sparklers no we're talking about let's relieve some doves behind the man it'll look beautiful and elegant <laughs> as he's standing there celebration oh, of the man. week goes to jordan smallwood again but honorable mention the houston hot james butler got three of those in one didn't count, though, because it was a called-back touchdown. But J- our good friend, running back James Butler of the Houston Roughnecks, Brian, he, that Houston Hops, they're going to be T-shirts for that thing pretty soon. That's the new Lambeau Leap. And if you ask me, the, the Houston Hop, it's newer, it's fresher, and it's never been beaten, ever, literally. <laughs> never been beaten. Uh, never lost. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Never lost. All right, Alan, is it my turn? It is. It's the moment everybody's been waiting for. Your your big award. Uh, the the who made Bryant look good award. Last week I gave it to myself, as you because I told oh, you Houston would win that game by more than one point. I'm gonna have to change the award this week, Alan, to not who made Bryant look good, but what made Bryant look good at least for this week. And what is is the day Sunday? Sunday made Bryant look good because Saturday I'll tell you what. Brian was not looking good. Brian was not looking good with with his picks. Seattle and Dallas offers. So Sunday came in strong. Came in strong. I had DC. I had LA. A lot of fun. Alan, that'll just segue real quick into our uh, game predictions that we did this week. Uh, we all went two and two, except for Vince against the spread man. He um, four and zero. Oh. He did pretty good. Three and one. 
Oh, three, three and one. one. Okay. I went yeah, two Houston and two. Minus 12 and a half. I'm the opposite of you. Saturday, I was loving it. I, I, I hit that Guardians game, outright underdog winner, feeling good. I was feeling good about Tampa Bay with the lead against L.A. as much as I wanted to see the Wildcats roar at night, and I'm happy they pulled it out. But uh, I picked Tampa Bay to win that game, and they blew that big lead. Um, and got to say, shocked that D.C., not only that D.C. won, but they won playing that kind of game and that St. Louis just, I don't know what happened when we break that game down. But, yeah, it's tough to pick winners in this league. Vince did a very good job, though, Bryant. And that uh, that takes us now to what we're so same same standings in our fake standings that no one cares about or we're not even keeping track of. Correct? Same yeah, exact. I'm still one game up, I believe. I would have to. Maybe I'll go back. I have some time this week. Go. It's halfway point. Maybe we'll have some standings, some real standings, uh, next week for sure. Take it to the power rankings, man. Here we go. The official oh, the power rankings. XFL show. This is the XFL show power rankings as voted by us all here on the show that put the show together. And then Bryant's algorithm spits out the official show power rankings. You could see those up on XFL.com uh, when we post the show, but also in comparison to some other uh, experts following the league uh, like Joel Klatt and Greg McElroy, champion data, and those will all be up. Can't wait to see what the, what the other people are saying in terms of power rankings, Brian. But go ahead, give the people what they want. What does the algorithm say after week five? Our power rankings, you know, we put them all together, all four of us. If there's a tie, it goes into the computer, and we figure it out from there on. Uh, but number eight, I think it's everybody's number eight. Uh, it's the Seattle Dragons. Uh, I think there's a lot of question marks there, uh, things to get figured out. We'll see what happens. Uh, number seven, a little surprise to me because I had them a lot higher based on the way they've played is the Tampa Bay Vipers. I don't know, maybe we'll discuss that here, uh, why the Tampa Bay Vipers fell so 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 low from where I thought they should be. The Dallas Renegades, uh, when they were doing this, they were climbing. Now they've come back. Uh, they're at number six. Number five, the New York Guardians. Uh, still, you know, they're, they're, they're looking good, but still just a little weird. Number four, the LA Wildcats, still too low for me, if you ask me as well. Uh, they're performing really well. Uh, I think a lot of this might be record-based, season-based. Number three, the D.C. Defenders, who got mollywopped, if you remember, uh, by the L.A. Wildcats. Oh, they're number three. <laughs> uh, number two, the St. Louis Battlehawks, despite the loss, stay there. I think they're still one of the better teams in this league. Uh, they've they've done what they, they could and what they have to do, and they'll, they'll make it better. And then number one, I think it's just obvious, Houston Roughnecks, uh, for all the reasons that we've mentioned on the show. The Houston Roughnecks continue as number one. I mean, that that's, I think, number one is the easiest, obviously. And then uh, this week, two might have been, uh, there might have been some contention there with two this week, Bryant. But I don't know how many of the four of us had St. Louis as number two. I know I did still, even though lose, they lost to D.C. Uh, I think we all had St. Louis number two, if I'm not mistaken. I'll pull those up right now as, you, as me, you ask me. That makes me feel good, though, because, I mean, I think even that game was on Fox, correct, or FS1. So that was, I believe, yeah. uh, Greg Olson after that game was talking about how, you know, St. Louis is still – he even said – I mean, in so many words I felt he was saying is the team you feel like – I would feel most comfortable picking if we had to right now who's going to win the East. I still would say after the loss, St. Louis, D.C. Defenders fans are going to be like, poof, poof. Ha, beer snake, whatever. And I understand. <laughs> I understand. But but the fact of the matter is this. You didn't win that game in a very impressive way, 
D-line played great, played out of their minds. Your quarterback situation's kind of a mess. I don't – I mean, did Tyree Jackson even throw for 40 yards? Is he going to be able to fall forward for first downs all season long with a foot seven <laughs> frame? I don't know. I mean, if he just does it every play, and he's he can a, get a first down every Totally time. something that, you know, St. Louis probably spent very little time game planning for was all those RPOs, even though they go against it with Jordan Tamu every single week. That was interesting. But they, they only – the only issue for St. Louis in that game was giving up some key first downs. That's why a bad day for some the turnovers offense. Too. Yeah, turnovers. A kick. Yeah, a bad day uh, on special teams in a tough place to play. We're learning Audi Field. They bring it, man. Great home atmosphere for DC. Yeah. Give them a lot of credit, uh, the fans there. But coming out of that game, I just didn't feel like, oh, St. Louis is not the better team. I still yeah. with so much season if left. If you go back to our uh, – yeah. If you go back to our post-game recaps, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but that's kind of what we said. Yeah. We weren't so shocked uh, that that D.C. played the way they did. St. Louis, you know, we're still pretty confident. Jordan Tomu had a good game. He didn't have a bad game. It's just he didn't have the numbers, and, and there were some other problems there that caused some issues. Uh, credit to Pep Hamilton for having all of his coaches and players ready uh, to play that game. Alan, we all had a St. Louis, too, except for Vince. I don't even want to mention who he had number two. I don't want to get him in trouble. Uh, you had Tampa say, Bay way down there at number seven. Yes, he, he did. Before you say it, yes, he did. Yes, he Dallas? did. Dallas? No, no, no. The other D. DC. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay, you uh, had number seven. I mean, I don't agree with it, but I would understand. They're on top of the East, so if that's your criteria. My power rankings criteria is, as of now, who am I looking at that looks like they're championship caliber? So that's that's how I see it as well, too. I pick as who, who don't you want to play. Uh, every single week. That's how I see it. Right now, I wouldn't want to play Houston, St. Louis, and Tampa. Might be Tampa and L.A. I wouldn't want to play Tampa. All eight of them, like I said. (laughs) Tampa and L.A. for all eight spots. I wouldn't want to play either of those teams we saw on Sunday night. They were Uh, great. So those are our power rankings for this week. Tell us what you think at XFL Show on Twitter. We have a tweet out there uh, with our power rankings. Let us know yours. It's always a lot of fun to hear from you guys and what you think – our power ranking should be compared to what they are. Yeah, send us Jim Zorn memes. You gotta be kidding me. That's what I want in response to our power rankings. Uh, and can't wait to see how they compare to the other guys uh, on XFL.com. All right, now it's time for our, our, our now new weekly tradition. You got the, there. I think there are three traditions we really need to acknowledge as the best things going in the XFL right now, Bryant. You've got the beer three. snake. Yeah, three key ones. You've got the Beer Snake in D.C. You've got the 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 Battle Dome Battle Hawks chant. And then you the have... best part of your sound drop, Alan, real quick, is that guy that's like, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> that was like the first time they did it. And then you have the th- my third favorite tradition right here on this is the xfl show brian our weekly chat with the coach jonathan coachman of the xfl pregame and we get to go through the week that just happened and look ahead at the entire road for the week ahead and he had a busy day on sunday doing xfl pregame watching all the xfl games and he was at elimination chamber so we caught him we caught him right before we put this whole thing together brian had a good conversation with the coach who is a machine, not exhausted at all, and going a thousand miles an hour talking some XFL with here in just a second. Oh, huh? yeah, the four 
what's more exhausting than watching four football games and analyzing them as much as you can? Oh, let's throw in a WWE pay-per-view too while we're at yeah. it. And also traveling a lot. Uh, good good for the man. Uh, I'm happy he took the time out of his... A legend and a Hall of Fame, surefire oh, Hall, Hall of Famer. I thought you said a legend. I was like, a legend what? <laughs> this man's no, great. A not, not allegedly. He's legend. a legend. Um, <laughs> I'll probably take it some time out of his nap schedule, really, uh, to talk to us. So it's always good to talk to the coach. I will recap what we talked about with him, but it's always good to get his insight on how he feels about the current state of the league. Yeah, buddy, here we go. It's our weekly hit with host of the XFL pregame, which you can find on XFL.com, XFL YouTube channel, XFL social media, every Saturday and Sunday. Him and his host, co-host, Elise Ashton, every weekend. And right here on This is the XFL Show every Tuesday, it is Jonathan Coachman. It's kind of surreal to think that we're already halfway through this regular season. It is hard to believe that we have made it through week five and for me, if I'm being completely candid and being completely honest, uh, I am blown away by how good the reception to the league has been through the first five weeks. I'm blown away uh, by the reaction from the players uh, through the first five weeks, and I'm blown away by the fans in the stadiums themselves uh, and how excited they've been. So it's just been such a fun experience. Oh, it has. And you know what? Actually, I was blown away by the response of people to, honestly, there was the refereeing blunder in the Houston and Seattle game, and fans were up in arms, and right, rightfully so, but the response to the league's response to that situation I thought was tremendous as well. How about you? Well, it was, it was a, a perfect storm of a non-perfect scenario. And what I mean by that is, if, if it's going to happen, and eventually, when you have different rules and different clock issues, you knew at some point, right? that there was going to be an issue in the final two minutes because not everybody's an expert on it yet. And clearly Houston did not understand the clock issue because they didn't run out the clock. So here's, here's the deal. Perfect scenario. It was a nine point game. It would have taken a 22 yard touchdown and a three point conversion just to tie. If it would have been a three point game. Oh, can you imagine the uproar? Because then one play, they kick a field goal and it's tied. So that's why I said it's a perfect scenario for something like that to happen and then to see how the league is going to react to it, which they did perfectly. And so I'm glad it happened because now we got it out of the way and now other people can be cognizant. Because there's another thing, guys. They weren't prepared in the stadium for that to happen. They just weren't. And if you watch the game, Steve Levy did his job. You know, sometimes when you're a partner with a league, you know, the announcers won't go after the people they need to go after. I work for the league, and I'm saying that Levy should have gone after that answer, and he did, and he pressed, and he pressed, and that made the story what it was supposed to be. So all in all, uh, not a great scenario, but a really good uh, outcome coming out of it. Yeah, Coach, I mean, interviewing Wes Booker right there on the spot was a little awkward, but it had to be done, Steve I think they all did really a good job in, in, in trying to get the answers that they wanted from the league. But let's take away from that and actually what we saw – and really, it's just a Houston team that just went 5-0. and uh, Are they running away with this? Right now, they're clearly the class of the league. They were down 14 nothing in that game. And P.J. Walker on the sidelines, at no point, he kind of reminded me of Patrick Mahomes a little bit because uh, Patrick's my quarterback, right? Uh, but he drives me nuts sometimes. He's like, hey, let's not worry about it, guys. Don't look at the score. We're, we're good. We got it. And I'm like, you're down 14. And P.J. Walker was saying the same thing on the sidelines. Don't worry about it. We got this. And because of the way the clock works in the XFL, 
you really do have more time to come back in a game. Even though it's a quicker game, you have more more of a chance to score. That makes sense. When you watch a game, you, you know what I mean? Like in the final two minutes, it's hard to run out the clock. It's really, really difficult. And because they want more points to be scored. So uh, Houston right now, because they're scoring over, what, 30 points a game. Uh, they are giving up some points, though. Um, and I did bet on Seattle, so that was a W for my bank account. Um, but all in all, they are the class, no doubt about it. So, yeah, they are the class, I think, at least as well. Uh, they're just running away with it. They get close to, to that L, but it just never seems to happen. Uh, but somebody that maybe found their way, I don't know, you tell me, uh, QB and DC, what are they going to do? Are they just going to play it week by week? Because, you know, it seemed like Pep Hamilton had a plan, but really he just kind of threw Tyree Jackson in there. Well, here's the thing. What they score, 15 to win that game? I mean, that, it's not like they, they blew any doors off. At some point, because it's a condensed schedule of, of only 10 games, you don't have three, four, or five games to test out. And this is the year that teams want to win the most. You want to win that inaugural season, right? So D.C.'s got some issues. Now, if I would have told you, if you would have told me three weeks ago that D.C. would be having quarterback issues, I would have told you you were crazy. Cardell Jones started the year off terrific. And now he just can't find a receiver. And when he does find a receiver, he's throwing it to the other team. And so if you're Pep Hamilton, if you're any other head coach, because I've been very, very critical of what's going on in Tampa as well, uh, you've got to play the quarterback or try to play a quarterback that gives you the best chance to score. Because if you don't score, you've seen you're probably not going to win in this league. Defense is not winning ball games in this league. Yeah, that was a, an interesting scenario, and I think that for, was the right quarterback for the right time. I would anticipate Cardell Jones getting back in there, Coach. We'll see what Pep does. I thought it was a fantastic coaching job by him, but they were back home with the home cooking, and I think most of the credit has to go to the beer snake, don't you? Is that not the best tradition in the XFL right now, or is it the caca? I don't know. I think I'm leaning beer snake. I'm leaning beer snake because I have nightmares about my <laughs> partner, Elise, Ashton saying Ka-ka! in my ear every damn weekend. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the beer snake. And how many commissioners of any leagues would show up to a game and donate to the beer snake? Oliver Luck did. Epic. Oliver Luck did. So to, to me, and I said this on the show the other day, that where we begin and end is with fun. If it's fun, then we're going to try it. We're going to do it. We're going to experiment with it. And that's where we start. And I think, if more leagues did that, if more people did that, if more sportscasters did that, I think we'd have a lot more positive uh, experiences surrounding certain sports than we do right now. I 100% agree with you. I mean, who doesn't in, in the D.C. area see that and say, I want to be there. I want to be a part of all that craziness in the yeah. stands. People are having the time of their lives. And then also you see in L.A., players are literally running into the stands and hanging out with fans for half the game. I mean, they were scoring so many <laughs> touchdowns. And, and even the linemen were getting in the fun on that. So, yeah, you're right. The, the F.U.N. was all over the place in week five, Coach. And, you know, in, in L.A., uh, that game, I honestly, I thought was the best game so far of the season. Tampa. And the Wildcats, they, they they put points on the board. The fans were having fun. Tampa looked – still, they look like a good football team to me, but they seem, pardon the pun, snake-bitten. Do you think the Vipers are still alive in the East even though they're down to one and four? No, I don't. I think right now if you don't have at least two wins, then I don't think you have a shot to make the playoffs. I, I, I really do not. 
And I, I just, quite frankly, I just don't think they're good enough. Uh, we saw they come out, their offense is playing really, really well. And then they gave up way too many big plays. It, it was when you get a, a big lead, then hold it. And when you're in a must-win situation, hold it, play better. And so at this point, I don't feel like they have any continuity when it comes to what quarterbacks are going to play. You know, that's been an issue through the first four weeks for me was playing too many quarterbacks. And I don't agree with playing three or two. Give me a starter. If he doesn't play well, put in the backup and then let him play. But this rotation and not knowing what's going on, that's why they're they're one and four. Yeah, they still seem to be rotating that quarterback in uh, flowers every once in a while. They just sneak him in there. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one, Coach. But L.A., uh, you know, looks pretty good, at least when they can stay consistent. Uh, it was a lot of fun watching them. Do you think they have the potential to be one of the highest or the highest scoring team? Because when they put it together, they're putting points up on that board. I said that in order to win the XFL championship, you have got to have a quarterback that at least has some NFL experience. Because there's a reason, even if they're a practice squad or a backup in the NFL, there's a reason they get to that level. That wasn't necessarily the case the first time in 2001. Look at all the quarterbacks that are playing good right now. They at least have touched the NFL on some level. Josh Johnson, he started for a little while in the NFL. You look at Landry Jones, who unfortunately has has knee injuries. But when he's in there, he's played pretty well. P.J. Walker, we saw last week on the sidelines, Jacoby Brissett showed up to support him because they were all in the same quarterback room in Indianapolis with Andrew Luck as well. If you don't have a quarterback with that level of experience, then you don't have a chance. So my answer is yes, they do have a chance because of Josh Johnson and his uh, arrogance, his confidence, and his skill. When you talk about Josh Johnson and you mentioned P.J. Walker and, and the Patrick Mahomes feel where he's down there telling his teammates, we got this, it's only 14. It's only, I mean, Josh Johnson was telling Norm Chow, we got this, calm down, uh, stop your, your, your stop complaining, uh, just call the plays and I got you. Have you ever seen a quarterback do that to his coach or really he just said, hey, coach, relax, just coach, I, I got this? There are There are so many great things about the XFL, and that to me is the best. How many times have you seen a guy on the sideline, whether it's a big college game or a big NFL game, and he picks up the phone, and you have no idea how that conversation is going, and you're you're assuming that the coach is telling you what to do and what not to do. But we saw that's not always the case. How great was it? He said, you got to stop. Just call plays. That would drive me insane. If, if, if the coaches were talking to me as the play's developing, I would have a serious issue with that. I like the fact that I can hear and the, the receivers can hear all the way to the snaps, but shut up. When I get the ball, I need to, I, I need to, to focus and I need to have a clear head. And that was awesome. It wasn't like an extended conversation. He got on the phone, said his piece, hung up. <laughs> I was kind of shocked at how brief he was with that call, Coach. I thought he was going to give Norm Chow a, a chance to retort. You know, he just said call plays and hung up, and they went on to win the game. That game, that was uh, that was the best game of the year so far to me, and that might have been the best moment. That was totally quintessential XFL to me. Josh Johnson talking to Norm Chow on the sideline. Uh, let, let's take it over uh, to, to the New York Guardians, though. We got to show them some love, Coach. They get another W, and they grind it out again Luis Perez is the man one of the best stories now going in the league he's now the man in charge at quarterback I think he solidified his position but 
I don't know. Can that style of play, that complementary style of football, where maybe you're not excelling in one area, but the other one holds it down, is that enough to beat Houston when the Guardians take them on this week? Yeah, guess what? We're going to find it out really quick, aren't we? And the answer to me is no. You can't play the ball control 17 14, uh, you know, 10 7, whatever it is, style of football in the XFL. Now, this is a huge game for them. And they, if they can win this game, then I think they're a true player. Maybe they're, they're going to prove me wrong. But to play Houston in the first game on Saturday, uh, I think they, to me, I would always want to play on Saturday. If I had, if I had the choice, I want to play quickly at the beginning of the weekend. And for the second week in a row, Houston's going to have that early Saturday game, which I think is key. And, and clearly on our show, we're going to focus on Houston as, uh, as, as well we should. But the Guardians, this is, this is make it or break it. This is week six. There's only four games left after this weekend. And really starting to shape up, they need a win. Houston could afford a loss, but, but not, not New York. All right, Coach. Week six is going to be awesome, and that's going to kick it all off. I'm all about those late-night games, though. I love the 9 p.m. kickoff. I hope we get one more of those, but L.A. And I know, I know. L.A. and Seattle will close it out 7 p.m. on Sunday. I have a quick question as we let you go. As an expert, as a Hall of Fame interviewer, one of the greatest of all time, is it wise <laughs> to ask a player not to curse during a sideline interview? Well, I, I know how they do it, and in my instance, very quick story. I was in person for the famous Limp Biscuit Creed fight all those years ago at a big rock and roll festival in New York. A bunch of us WWE guys went and, and did some stuff there. They told Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit, one of the great rock and roll singers of all time, he, he didn't want to go out before the sun came down. And they made him. So after every song, he threw out the uh, microphone to the crowd. And they kept coming on and saying, quit throwing it out. So he keeps throwing it out. They came out, this is the last one for his last song. You don't tell Fred. My point is that an athlete, a rock and roll singer, if you tell them to do, not to do something, you best believe they're going to do it, right? But I think the players are starting to figure out, because the interviews are getting better, how about the running back who, Diana Rossini, who I worked with at ESPN, mm-hmm. and I loved it when, when he pulled the rock oh, on man. her, the rock card. It doesn't matter what your name is. I mean, these players are getting it. But then there's also some that if I'm a head coach, I'm talking to. Don't be disrespectful. There was, there was that one interview, and you know which one I'm talking about, where basically poor Molly McGrath last night just had to get up and walk away. That can't happen. You're a pro. This is part of the league. It's part of your contract. It's part of what you do. And if you're being interviewed, there, there's a reason. Either you did something good or you got beat. But either way, you're news. So embrace it and entertain us. Like Trey Williams did. That was a great moment. I, I, my jaw hit the floor when he did that rock pro, uh, promo there, <laughs> Brian. That was that was insane. That was also another highlight of Week Five. A tremendous week in the XFL. And nothing will beat the Randy Orton pose inside the crowd. That was just amazing. There, the the Smallwood uh, Randy Orton pose inside the crowd uh, was great. All right, Coach. Well, thanks again. Uh, make sure you catch XFL pregame every Saturday and Sunday uh, all over uh, XFL.com. Uh, and uh, youtube.com slash XFL. Thanks, Coach, again. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, boys. Have a good week. We'll talk to you. Enjoy. Thanks to Jonathan Coachman, the XFL pregame. Brian, all I have to say after that is one, two, three times two to the six. Week five was tremendous. No? You're not You're not down for the, for the Fred Durst impression? 
coming out of that. It was when my, I was when my microphone was muted. I did, uh, I did it off on the... Come on! <laughs> the, the famous Fred Durst uh, Creed Keep concert. rolling, 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 rolling. What? I love it. I love it. And, you know, that, that uh, conversation we had with Coach there and this show, not big enough, I think, for all the different moments that we try to spotlight and dive into. So many... I mean, people come out of these weekends in the XFL, Brian, never usually talking about just one thing. I mean, we had a big, let's face it, a, a, a rough moment there for the referees in the Houston game. And I feel like that it was the first game and it got quickly overshadowed with all sorts of other craziness of the weekend that was so so much fun. And uh, we're going to break that down a little bit more. But, I mean, every time we talk to the coach, it feels like we don't have enough time and, and we probably never will. <laughs> we really know because there's so many things to talk about. Thanks again to the coach uh, for taking time out of his really busy, busy, busy weekend to talk to us. Uh, it was a, it was an interesting weekend. And one thing you're right. One thing could have overshadowed the entire weekend and it didn't because after the first game, uh, it really wasn't talked about anymore because it was addressed. And we're going to get into how the XFL addressed this and squashed it like a bug. Uh, Right after we get off uh, through yeah. these uh, first four games here. Yeah, a lot of people were surprised about that. And we'll, let's dive into all those games here right after we tell you about the official XFL app. You could download it today and get real-time scores, stats, scoring plays. This show right on the XFL app, the latest XFL news from across the league, everything you need XFL, you need to know anything it's right there on the xfl app right in your pocket gets you ready for game day too with venue information the latest updates regarding all the game day stuff you need to know and of course you could customize it to your favorite team so if you're a dc defenders fan you could customize the xfl app to set to the dc defenders and you're going to be ready for that beer snake and game day baby at home in the stadium or on the go the xfl app is your source for everything xfl download the official XFL app today. Now we could talk about all these games, Bryant. Put a bow around week five and look ahead for each team going in to week number six. Let's get it. It's time for this week's hot read. All right, catching your breath here, but take us through that last play. Uh huh. What's your name? Diana. It doesn't matter. We're not all of it. No, look. This is hometown. This is Houston. This is hometown, man. I got to do it. I got to do it for my mom. I got to do it for my, for my family. Trey Williams with, I mean, I just don't. Uh, to do that to Diana Rossini, of all people. Hardest work working woman on uh, in the XFL, possibly. Or at least on the broadcast. Did, what, did, wait, what did he do? What did he do? That, that rock it rock. doesn't matter what he did. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. got me. Damn. <laughs> I didn't just serve that up to you. What a great moment. Great entertainment. <laughs> Unfortunately for the Dragons, that was as good as it got for them because after that touchdown, after their lead, uh, Houston came roaring back. And on a bad day, we can agree, Brian. That was a bad, ba a bad day for the Houston Roughnecks, kind of. Worst it was a bad two and a half. It was a bad two and a half, three quarters, I would say. Uh, for the Houston Roughnecks. Credit they to the win. Seattle Dragons for – well, and they still win. You're right. But credit to the Seattle Dragons for actually uh, going through and, and 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 taking advantage and taking, you know, the most of their – making the most of their opportunities 
uh, against the Houston Roughnecks. It just served to be too little too late. Uh, we talked about it. They're good, but there's just something wrong that they can't get a full game together, and that's what happened. They gave up a double-digit lead in this game and, and some just horrible tackling. Miss, you know, Nick Holly made some fools look silly uh, on this. It was, it was bad Ramirez. at some point. Yeah. Help him out. Yikes, that was the jukey <laughs> of the week. And then that wasn't even a jukey. He just kind of like moved. <laughs> didn't really just, do much. <laughs> it's open field tackling. It's a hard thing to do. It's very difficult when you got someone the caliber of Nick Holly who knows how to put the moves on you. Or or what about James Butler? He was all over the place. Two touchdowns. What about the Houston running game on an off week for maybe for PJ Walker and with the Dragons kind of daring the Roughnecks to run the ball, Bryant, they did, and then they were pretty damn effective. Both their running backs averaged over four yards per carry. James Butler at 4.3, the two touchdowns. Andre Williams, I thought, had his best showing yet. The former Boston College running back over five yards per carry in this one. Did you ever think you would see the Roughnecks relying on the run to win a game? Uh, no, not the way we've seen them play so far this season. But when it came down to it, this team is just a great team uh, doing anything necessary to win these games. They, they didn't like rely on the run. to to. They scored on the run. They relied on the run to keep them in the game to, you know, to get positive plays. But in the end, they still were throwing all over the place. Some big plays from Cam Phillips and, and Nick Hawley. Um, so off day for Houston. On an off day, they beat the Dragons. Could they do that to another team, Bryant? I feel like if they played like that against, say, those Wildcats we saw on Sunday night, they would the Vipers. They, the Vipers on Sunday night, they would they would pay. They would pay the price. Um, the Dragons' offense just stalled out, and I think that might have to do with it with being BJ Daniels' no. first game starting. And you know, probably I think that's the way to go is BJ Daniels at QB for Seattle, but their growing pains kind of were a brick wall that they hit late in that game where their offense, you know, the quick three and outs couldn't, couldn't keep up with the roughnecks. Yeah. The final 32, 23 Allen. Uh, I guess it depends on what team they're playing in the defense that the team they're, that, that they're playing, because I can see the guardians who are not the greatest and flashiest team, but they'll shut you down. If you give them that much of an opportunity, if you give them a free 24 points, uh, it's going to be hard to score 24 points on them, especially if you've wasted so many drives on them. Alan, uh, we talked about it a little bit on our um, on our show. That was before the XFL released uh, this statement coming out about the end of that game. Uh, I don't want it to overshadow, but we got to address it like we said. We did with the coach. We did it in our pregame. I'm sorry, in our postgame. Uh, we'll do it here. That blunder. And it was a big blunder because it, it gave – you know, this is the NFL. This wouldn't matter, right, because a nine-point game with two seconds left. No, 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 no. But in the XFL, they made it a point to say that this was still a game to be had. And unfortunately, the refs did not uh, stop the game correctly. They let two seconds, maybe three, run off at the very end and uh, didn't replay it. And I think what's the bigger of the two blunders, Alan? Not, uh, not stopping the clock or not bringing everybody back onto the field to finish the game? I would say the worst look was the not bringing people back on the field because even if yeah. in the craziness of the end of the game and play, I mean, let's also throw some, some of the blame, not a lot, but some blame onto just the teams walking onto the field with time remaining. I mean, that's the, the dragons should, they just walked off. I mean, if maybe here, if you want to bring up, you know, Jim Zorn here, Brian, a more, 
aware sideline would have refused and maybe the referees would have been able to say, oh, you know what? We messed that up. How do the Dragons just let maybe. that end? How do they not protest? Yeah. How do they not refuse to leave the field? I would, if you were aware of it, what's going on on their, on their end too. We must acknowledge that. But uh, yeah, the referee's not... The West Book, Booker interview was kind of awkward and bad in terms of we a simple question. Why can't you just go get these guys? They're in the building. It's not like they're on a plane already. Uh, they didn't. Maybe they were. I, I mean, the best part about it, though, Ubers, coming out of you it know, is Ubers the, cost is a lot state. to just sit there and wait, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they ordered their Ubers, those well, are expensive Ubers just well, to hang the out there. called an Uber. He can't cancel it. Or, you know, <laughs> the fees are going to make him pay. It's been five minutes uh, already, here, so... Alan, the, here's the statement. The out. statement is what it's all about, Brian. Yeah, man. The statement came out shortly after the game, uh, during the second game of Saturday, and I'll read it here. Uh, Saturday's Seattle Dragons Houston Roughnecks game should not have ended as it did. Replays showed clearly that the knee of Houston quarterback PJ Walker touched the field, rendering him down, and and the fourth down play officially completed with approximately two seconds remaining on the clock effectively turning the ball over to Seattle on downs. With a nine-point differential in the score, Seattle was denied an opportunity to tie the game. The XFL sincerely regrets this error. In addition, Wes Booker, who served as the officiating supervisor for Saturday's game, has been reassigned. Uh, that was officially from XFL's media relations team. We all got the, the notice, the email, the tweet out there, Alan. So now the blunder happened. We get it. It, ha- it happened. There's nothing you can do about that now. But this statement, Alan, unprecedented transparency, clarity. Yeah. It's something you never see. You know, Ever. most 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 leagues, I'm not just talking the NFL, I'm talking most leagues. When something like this happens, they try to brush it under the rug. They 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 try not to make it a focal point because something like this can can damper your entire weekend of football or your entire day of sports or a week, right? The XFL came out, we're open about it, they pinned this tweet on their Twitter for a day and a half. Uh, they made everyone aware that, hey, this is what happened. Sorry, we're going to fix it. We're moving forward. And, and the XFL, you know, their transparency, that something that they um, they try to harp on as much as possible was really shown here after this blunder. Yeah, that's, that's just the beauty. Another beautiful part of the XFL is the transparency, the willingness to, to cl- basically claim, you know, you know, for all intents and purposes, our bad next play as a league instead of sweeping it under the rug and you know this this really you understand i i get why another league might be like oh well we're not even going to mention it just move on let the other games distract people or whatever let them whatever they're talking about our league that's all we care about no care about it being right you care about acknowledging it you care about everyone living in the same reality when it comes to your league and i just thought this was amazing and the response to this statement also, at least on social media, because I did a lot of scrolling, Brent, when that came out, because I was kind of sitting there like, oh, man, I don't want to have to read a bunch of anger about the league when I'm trying to enjoy these other games and interact with people and, you know, and talk football, not controversies or anger. But the response to the statement also was overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly positive, I thought, on social media. Now, if you're a Dragons fan, of course you're you're hurt, you're angry. But the fact that the league acknowledged it, I guess, if anything, you could take solace in that. And moving forward, hopefully nothing like that happens again. But again, I got to say, where the hell was the Dragons sideline on this? I would have, I mean, you. 
it was clearly something a lot every most people observed except the refs so how do the dragons just let them end the game like that without protesting without at least stomping their foot and saying wait let's look at this no stop i if i was jim zorn i would have not let the referee get to the locker room until i you know he closed the door on my face <laughs> uh well we'll see what happens uh i'm sure the xfl will put in some procedures and protocols to make sure that this does not happen again going forward with the rest of their season i got screwed up i just got screwed up yeah now the question well, is what if would jim zorn have gone for three well yeah i don't know that the, the math is really difficult we need more we need to get him a, a math. i mean seattle's got to have some great math teachers or some math whizzes up there Microsoft's up there. We gotta have some assistance there, Mr. Zorn. I mean, I. Oh my gosh! With the decisions on the extra points, barely 200 yards offense too for Seattle in a game where they led like that. It's just the sputtering. Once Houston figured things out, it was, it was over from there. Never a doubt for that team. Um, not as entertaining of a, as as a comeback as LA had, at least what, with the Houston sideline compared to the LA sideline, Brian. But we'll get to them in a second. Let's go to that second game now from Saturday's action in week number five. We don't have anybody up front. You play in every package. You have to be smart. That's Daryl Moose Johnston, head of player personnel for the Dallas Renegades. Their loss, thirty to twelve, to the New York Guardians in. Moose Johnson there, Bryant, talking to Frank Alexander, the defensive end for the Dallas Renegades, who we've had on this show is a great player, but that team does not have a deep bench on the defensive line, and he is a leader, not only on the defensive line, but the defense itself threw a punch in that game. Luckily, didn't get kicked out in a moment where Dallas needed all hands on deck as that game was starting to slip away. It eventually did a hectic day for the Renegades at home where they've yet to win, and the thing coming out of this game for them, we'll get to the Guardians in a second, but for Dallas, the they are the 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 panic. They lost the their offensive coordinator. <laughs> the, pan, the panicking team of the week, which we have had now the last handful of weeks. They lose Hal Mummy. Play fast, do it again. They lose the game, and they have Philip Nelson at quarterback, who I honestly just got to say I don't believe should be the starter going forward. Sorry, but he just looked not not capable to me. When they have other guys on the roster, why not try something else out, Bryant? Do you th what do you think Dallas should do before Landry's healthy, hopefully in a couple weeks, this week, going to D.C.? Is it Philip Nelson again or something else? Uh, you, you just kind of go and you ask Landry Jones, how are you feeling? Can you come back now uh, before it's too late? <laughs> uh, you lose your offensive coordinator. You don't have a starting quarterback, really. Uh, you got to... What, what can you do? Like Philip Nelson didn't look great in week one, but he didn't look this bad in week one. And it, and it wasn't a great uh, week for Philip Nelson. I, I think, I don't know. What do, what do you do if you're Bob Stoops? Do you hit the panic button? Do you, do you just, it's not a panic you know, kind of, it's not a panic. It's just a change. It's not a panic. You don't have a quarterback and you don't have your offensive coordinator. You got other guys on the roster. Try them Neither out. Neither one I mean of those guys have been on the team more than, than the season. So I mean, what? They, Eric Dungey was signed at the at the beginning of of the season. Eric Rogan Roback was on the Rogan St. Louis Battlehawks. Have been practicing with the team long enough, and if a guy's going out there throwing nearly fifty times and barely getting for two hundred yards, has not even been out there for a touchdown yet, even a rushing touchdown, hasn't produced points 
in two games at all, like not even come close, you have to try something else. That's not a panic. That's just figure figuring things out. And I just don't think it's Philip Nelson. So you would just go out there and start Philip Nelson against DC if you're Dallas and you know Landry's not available this week. Uh based on the way we saw DC coach, and we'll get into that next, I think maybe you you uh you say you're gonna start Dungey and you bring in <laughs> and go with Eric go with Eric Dungey and run a bunch of RPOs. For, for, yeah. <laughs> it might maybe. work. Or you go with Eric Dungey. You know, here guy, here's what I do. I go, Eric, I'm gonna put you in this game to start. I need you to throw an interception low oh, where the guy can't return it on third down. So I can pull you and then put in the guy I really want to have in this game. Uh, that that maybe maybe that's the best way to do this. I, I don't know. I, you're right. Maybe it's not the panic button that you hit so much, but at the same time, it's it's worrisome for Dallas. They haven't shown these signs of complete greatness. We 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 gave them this credit with Landry Jones because he was throwing over 300 yards and having play- these interceptions. They, they were, were winning and he was playing bad. Right? He Landry yeah. Jones playing terribly is I would say. Much better than, better than Nelson, Nelson playing, at all. Yeah, playing well. <laughs> yeah. That's not. I don't think uh, we've seen him play well either. But uh, it's just he's. I mean, he's just so inaccurate, and he looks kind of timid, calling plays, making audibles. He audible to a quarterback sneak. He looked terrified of the play call that they sent in, and he just ran a quarterback sneak on a third and long. It made no sense, or a second long, whatever it was. And Keanu Reeves and. Uh, in the replacements, right? I think <laughs> winners want the ball in their hands. Uh, two, you know what? Don't give up 210 yards. I mean, that's a lot I'm of those small carries. Oh, like... don't get me angry. That's terrible. That's horrible. That's not good. But that's also... Okay, but also that is the offense that they were running where they would throw the ball 100 times and see what happens. I, I think you can leave them in. It's also, it's also the D.C. defenders who haven't shown these great signs. Can you block enough? DC's what? defense. Can you, that defensive, if that on. D line Can, plays uh, that way, let me screwed. finish my sentence. Let screwed. me finish my sentence, sir. Can you block the defensive line enough to allow him to have some time? Because it will have some time uh, against some of those DB, have some open receivers against those DBs if he can have enough time. I, I'm not. A, I'm just not on the on the let's bash uh, Philip Nelson bandwagon. I saw, I've seen the man play quite a bit uh, going back to last spring. I just he did okay. Can he do better? Obviously. Can he do this bad next time? No. But I think he's in the middle somewhere. He didn't do as bad as Cardell Jones did the last two weeks. I'll tell you that much. He didn't throw eight interceptions in two games. I mean, come on. Relax. That is, that's that's Calm true. down. That's because Calm he's, so down. In, he's so inaccurate. Calm I feel like down. half his throws go out of bounds. Uh, what about the, the New York <laughs> side of this? The, Vic, the victors here. Uh, Darius Victor's team. That running game, man, they're they're reliable. Luis Perez shown he's pretty reliable. I mean, I I feel like this team's finally assumed Kevin Gilbride's identity, which not a lot of people like, but balanced, complementary football, uh, just a, a, a complete team that's going to go out there. And if one end is not having such a hot day, there are capable units on this team that'll pick up the slack. Usually that's the the defense and the defensive uh, backfield. This past week, I felt like it was their defensive front. Actually, the past two weeks, their defensive front's been excellent. Um, but, you know, not flashy football, but effective football. And that's what Kevin Gilbride preaches and what he does best and what he succeeded with in the past. So 
You know, a lot of people think that might not work in the XFL. Right now it is. They're they're in contention in the East, Bryant. What do you think moving forward for New York? Offensively, I don't know how much better they can get. I just think if they play ball control, don't turn it over, they're going to be in a lot of football games the, re- the second half of this season. Well, and to take a quote from our man, the coach here who just said this, we're going to find out very quickly. And by very quickly, I mean Saturday morning. <laughs> here on the West Coast uh, when they take on the Houston Roughnecks because uh, that game that they play uh, has worked against bad teams or teams not um, running on all cylinders. You know, L.A. is the only team really that they played that they beat that looks like a great team, but they've shown, you know, moments of inconsistencies even in their victories. Um, Can New York hold – the Houston Roughnecks to, you know, they're going to have, what would you say the to, to win this game, the Guardians are going to have to hold the Houston Roughnecks to how many points? Oh, de- uh, like tw- 22. Yeah, under like three touchdowns max. Um, you're going to need some turnovers because, you know, the, the thing is their offense makes some plays but also needs the turnovers. Like the third down efficiency was not good this week. The, the offense is – okay for some explosive plays but Houston's D is man they are they're they're going to get it to your quarterback eventually and if he's indecisive whatsoever that's not going to be a fun day so Luis Perez has shown that he's pretty confident and he can make some plays also with his head most importantly but yeah New York's definitely going to need some splash plays outside of the offense because I don't know where that's going to come from other than just grinding it out, finding openings, picking them, you know, picking and choosing when you go for something deep or something, something creative on offense, and then just hoping your offense can keep up. It's a fun matchup, that secondary versus those receivers who are calling their own routes for Houston. Definitely something we got, we're going to be hyping up a whole lot on the Thursday show, Bryant. But New York's in a good spot right now, and who would have thunk? Because a few weeks ago it looked like near disaster for them. Early, early pick for game of the week uh, in week six. Uh, and New York's playing their game. I will give them that credit. They got out of their funk, um, and they've looked better every week since coming out of that funk. I mean, they don't look like the team that played against uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks. They didn't look like the team that they played against the Wildcats. They look better, and they beat the Wildcats. Uh, I'm not taking them completely out of this game. I'm not ready to make my pick. I don't know how gutsy I'll be this weekend. But the New York Guardians found their niche – Now we'll just have to see if that niche works uh, in this league, and especially against the league's best team. So the Guardians hand the L to the Dallas Renegades, and both those teams move on into the second half of the season, I think, uh, capable of making the playoffs, but both teams will have a lot of work to do and still improvements to make, especially offensively. Now let's take it to Sunday's action, Bryant, with that first game, which saw an amazing effort from the D.C. defense and a new quarterback at the helm winning that thing for them. It feels good to be back home in front of the 12-pack. You see the snake and uh, and find the victory. And for Tyree Jackson, just getting in there and being efficient, what went into the decision to go with Tyree over Cardale? Well, Tyree offers a different dynamic, just his ability to run the football and um, – and, and he made plays. He made plays when we had to have uh, plays, you know, in critical situations. So um, we have two really good quarterbacks, and we're excited to see uh, how we practice ne- next week and see what we come up with. It's all about the game plan, Pep. What do you call that? Do you again? think it's 12-pack, 12-pack-peparation? 12 uh, do you think he's calling with the 12-pack because of all the beer? Yeah, the 12-pack. Is that why? Also, 
I don't know if there's 12 rows. Sorry. Please allow me to ask that. stupid questions every once in a while, okay? I appreciate it. me for a little bit. I appreciate your, your dumb questions. I appreciate Pep Hamilton's coaching in that game because I definitely... Don't pull me after one error, Alan, like he did <laughs> to Cardell, please. Well, it was multiple. He just didn't look like it. he was going to be effective against that defense. And that was just a great call by Pep, having the courage <laughs> to take out a player that a few weeks ago was an XFL MVP candidate, pro football focus, most efficient quarterback. Yikes. The Sonic the Hedgehog curse continues for Cardell Jones, but Tyree Jackson comes in there, gives him something different, runs some run-pass option all game long, falls forward for some key first downs, threw for one score, didn't look great throwing the ball really at all. No, no, quite the opposite. Looked pretty bad, inaccurate, but he didn't have to a lot. That defense is what won this game for him, but was that really D.C. playing good? Was it mostly St. Louis playing bad? A real question we have to ask, Brian. What's your answer? Um, but here's I don't think St. Louis played bad. That's the thing. I think just the DC defenders made the key stops. They made the key tackles. They made, you know, you're talking about the difference of a missed field goal kick, a blocked punt, you know, these things that just happened in the course of a football game that maybe, you know, just luck wasn't on your side. I don't think St. Louis played bad. There was that Jerome Presley run where no one tackled him. And they kept him, yeah. and they should have tackled him. Broken play, too, um, where it looked like D.C. didn't even know what the call was at the yeah. line, and they end up getting a big first down. But also acknowledge two key fourth down stops, Bryant. Big moments. Timely plays is what this game was all about. Maybe not be the amount of plays you make, the, the timing of the plays you make. And this game, I thought, personified that really well. I mean, D.C., in those big moments, made the plays, and St. Louis did not. That's well, that's what it came down and to. That's what I'm saying. So that's why after on our post game show that we recorded, that you can go back and check on the feed or on YouTube or on XFL.com. We talked about how impressed we weren't with the DC Defenders victory and how we weren't worried about the uh, Battle Hawks loss. It just it was it, because it was a weird game, and I don't think that you can give DC that much credit, and I don't think you can take that much away from the Battle Hawks based on what we've seen, just because. Look, for not for a blocked punt, for not for a missed field goal, we could be talking about a completely different game here. It wasn't those like, hey, St. Louis did not execute their plays. St. Louis didn't tackle. St. Louis uh, couldn't run the ball. None of this is what's happening to me, at least. It was St. Louis just, you know, wasn't fortunate at times. Now, give credit to the D.C. They had their timely tackles, their timely fourth down plays, all that. But, um, again, it was just more of those a flip of a coin type of game to me, at least. Yeah, and that maybe the entry of Tyree Jackson in this game threw off St. Louis a little bit, and yeah. D.C. finally, we've been saying their run game should be good, and it really hasn't broken through until this game, over 200 yards as a team rushing. And, you know, that I think credit to Tyree Jackson just making uh, this Battlehawks D play on their toes a little bit, go side to side a little bit more, and, you know, Dallas or D.C., excuse me, was able to push him forward and get some yardage in this game on the ground. But moving forward... D.C. takes on Dallas. We just talked about them and their quarterback situation. What about D.C.? How, how do they match up against the Renegades, Bryant? Because I think you, I would probably go back to Cardale if I was D.C. for for this game. That was maybe just kind of a wake-up call for him. Tyree Jackson didn't look like a solution at QB if, you, if you're trying to pass the ball at all. I mean, he's he yeah. looked like – if you're, if you're going to play him, you're going to like a full-on option 
offense. I don't think that's what Pep's going to do. <laughs> uh, the double wing offense. I'd be, <laughs> if Pep pulls that out, uh, he wins MVP for me. I don't care if he never played it down. Uh, who do you go with? I say you go with... I think you have to go with Cardell. Uh, he's the only one that's shown signs of of being decent on that team. Uh, I think throwing it was weird that you pulled him after that one. Throwing the ball, of course. Um, yeah, go back to Cardell. Give him an, do what you did this time, maybe. You know, go to Cardell. If he's not feeling it again, you don't see it, then maybe going forward you go with Tyree. Um, but really right now, I feel like Cardell is the better option for them. It's not like Tyree came in there and 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 and, you know, had the game of his life. Maybe he did have the game of his life, but I hope not because that would have been a really bad game to have for the game of your life. Uh, I think Cardell should be the quarterback. Yeah, and I, I, I'm interested to see what Pep announces or if he announces anything before this matchup with Dallas for D.C., but either way, they're in first in the East, and it's all about where you're at right now. So, I mean, you might be upset at us for picking St. Louis still ahead of him in power rankings, but – DC's nothing to mess with. They're back on they're back on the the right foot and we'll see how they go week to week though. This is a week to week league, so I would not be surprised to see them fall behind again, especially if they when they have to go on the road again, uh which won't be this week, but the following weeks they will be. Uh conversely, St. Louis not worried about them at all, Bryant, but they lose this game and now they do have to go to Tampa Bay, who can beat anybody, I think, even though they only have one win. They play everyone tough. And they've got a defense that could get after you. They've got an offense that could move the ball, but then they also give up big plays and make mistakes. So they're just kind of crazy and, you know, schizophrenic in that way. But St. Louis. <laughs> schizophrenic. I like that. That's a good way to describe that. Yeah, but St. Louis <laughs> is kind of primed with this loss. If they lose that game, they're the new team that's in, in disarray, as it were, next week if they lose to Tampa in week six, which I'm not ready to pick, but. I think St. Louis is. I did call St. Louis losing this game, uh, but the reason I called them losing this game was just because of the factors going into it. Right, St. Louis had played bad teams at home, and I think their confidence level was a little too high. This brings them back down to reality, and heading into this Vipers game because you don't want to give another team life. We talked about it. Every single team except the Vipers are three and two right now in the East. If you give Vipers that little hope. To get back into this, that's another team you're going to have to deal with. Remember, all these teams still have to play each other one more time at least, weeks 8, 9, and 10. Uh, so anything can happen uh, late in the season. St. Louis, if they really want to put the boots to the Vipers, they got to put them away now. The, this, would, this would be the game to prove that you're decent, that you can compete, and that the Vipers are done. And, and that's the, the task at hand for Jordan Dahomu and company. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know St. Louis, they have a lot of home games left still, right? They've got a, a few home games left, so that's why three. also three home games left. So I like their shot, and and they don't have to go on the road too much more. Um, but also for Tampa Bay, honestly, even with one and four, I I'm not counting them out yet. Like the coach said earlier, Brian, and we need to now move on to that game, the final game from Week Five. It was. Best game, I think, of the season yet. It was high scoring. It was back and forth. It was a big comeback. And it was a whole lot of fun to watch as the Wildcats beat the Vipers 41-34. to Hold up, hold up, hold up. I told you we was going to have a breakthrough. Last week was a breakthrough. You guys learned how to damn win. 
Tonight you learn how to win through adversity, and that's what it's going to take. Now, now we get on a roll now. Now you know how to win. You learn how to win. Now we're going to get on this roll right now. You feel me? We're going to get on one, and we're going to roll from here on out. Bryant, do you want them to go on, get on a roll? Do you want that to happen? Yeah, now that the you Wildcats right have beat them, I'm yeah. I'm going to give it to you right now. Now I want them to go on a roll. Winston Not Moss now, is ready before. to give it to you. Why? Well, I, I would love for them to. I would love for both of these teams to get on a roll just so we could see this championship game happen. Oh man, uh, that would be one what of the I would give things. for an LA I'll be there. Tampa Bay I'll rematch. Be there. <laughs> um, start with Tampa. Man. Start with Tampa. Start with Tampa. Is that are where we're they, starting? Yeah. Are they done? Because I just said they're not. No. At one and four. Absolutely have, not. For the last five games, four games against Eastern opponents. They're two games out. Two games out. And they out. play four co- division games, conference games, whatever you want to call them still. Yeah. And then there's no way that they're out. They're they not out. Some unfortunate Don't give plays. Up Tampa they're, they're, Bay Vipers yeah, fans. No. Keep hissing. Keep hiss. Keep hissing. Got to do that long dramatic keep. pause to separate those words. Keep I just realized hiss. that. Keep hissing, uh, Tampa Bay fans. Um, look, they, they took advantage of some stuff. Stop doing. Do you realize there's a camera on your desk? You can't do that. Uh, stop. <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay, I'll give them so much credit for taking advantage of turnovers, the opportunities that they got. I think they, they to me, look like the best team when it comes to the conversion which is hard to think that they, because they didn't have a touchdown until week three. But to me, that's almost like an automatic point conversion for them. Um, I think the the Vipers are a decent team. Uh, but when we look at through some of these highlights, it was just, you know, Josh Johnson's long arm, that bomb. Uh, they, it's either Tampa Bay ran out of gas, they got figured out, or maybe, just maybe the Wildcats figured it out themselves well, on their own. Yeah, They just, you know, Norm Chow started calling plays, John, Johnson did the plays, and that's where we are. Well, the thing that that Tampa D, what Glanville does is he sends them after you and they kind of put their guys out on an island a whole lot. And L.A. executed, man. They take your shots downfield when teams are doing that against you. And Josh Johnson was incredibly accurate. I mean, some of those passes deep down the field absolutely just drops in the bucket. Beauties and you know, Glanville's defense just got beat by a, a quarterback who came to play. But his defense is also a defense that will get after you and can make your life hell and put you behind as they did L.A. early in that game. Other teams in this league, Brian, I don't think are capable like L.A. is of making that comeback. They're, right now, if you're down by 17, I think, really, I don't know if I would pick. There are three teams, I think, that, I, that can make a comeback like that. We saw two of them, Houston, L.A., and the other one is Tampa. I don't think any other team is capable of playing from behind like that. Tampa's offense showed some grit. They came back in that game as well. Well, they're the only team that's really the only teams that have shown that they can score in bunches and quickly. I mean, I mean, LA scored two touchdowns in the last two minutes of not even. I think it was within a minute of each other in the in the first half. So LA has shown that they can score in bunches. Tampa Bay can score in bunches, uh, and Houston obviously can score in bunches. All these other teams uh, have sputtered. When it comes to being able to score, St. Louis has not looked that great when even in their victories in terms of scoring consistently. Right. So I'm with you on that. I don't see how uh, I would if I had to pick one team, it wouldn't be one of those three. I I can't pick another one to come back from a double digit uh, deficit. So you're telling me with four division opponents remaining for Tampa Bay with L.A. maybe getting on a roll, there's still a chance for a rematch from what we saw on Sunday night. Oh man, definitely. LA with a victory this week 
pretty much puts the boots to, to the Dragons. Uh, Dallas is not looking great. So DC Defenders, you know, who knows what could happen there. And then Tampa, you know, they just got to get in. We've shown, we've seen how they can play, uh, especially recently in the last three weeks. That team from the first two weeks is no longer here. Don't associate this team now that you're seeing with the Vipers from that team in the first two weeks. Right now you're seeing the Tampa Bay Vipers that we all thought we'd see. Now there are some issues plugging them. That red zone, for whatever reasons, like, we just call it like the green zone for them or something? Three just for don't... six. They were three for yeah. six. 50% this week. A but big, that it doesn't even game. matter. Three for six, Alan, real quick, doesn't even matter. The last play of the game was a red zone. Yeah. They were moving the ball. And they threw an interception at the very end to, to finish that game. Two games this year, Tampa's ended losing the game with the ball in the red zone. You realize yeah, with, Houston with, and L.A. In, inside the five, if I'm not mistaken, not even just the red zone, inside the five. With it was like a fourth and one Steve. that they couldn't convert. We're going to have to wait to see what Jacques Patrick's status is. He did go out of that. He felt, you know, got injured in that game, and that would be unfortunate if he doesn't get back in because he's a fun guy to watch. He's big back, scoring touchdowns lately. Um, him and Devion Smith are incredible as a tandem. And then you had Brandon Barnes, the tight end for L.A. go down. I mean, Johnson doesn't care who he throws to, but he's been a pretty reliable weapon as there well. There is a stat out there, Alan, that I'll find right now, but he has the most uh, touchdowns thrown to different players, I believe. Yeah. Is what the school with the I have, I have to find it real quick, but that's what I what it is. Like we uh, said, I'll find it. Nelson Spruce goes down and enter Trey McBride is kind of a, a star receiver who just what a tough, tough man playing that game with injured ribs, scoring touchdowns and extra points. And, you know, you've got now Saeed Blacknall stepping up as well for L.A. Twelve. Twelve different guys. Twelve I mean, different TD scores for the That's for the a leader. Camp. That's leadership. That's just taking what defenses give you and making them pay. Josh Johnson is uh, clearly one of the better quarterbacks in this league and is showing it that he owns the two highest 18-point comeback, by the way. Did I say 18? I said 18, right? They were down, I guess, because Tampa Bay got back up. They were up 17 yeah. nothing, and then they made it an 18. So take the L. Put the L on your forehead and call it. You lost. It was an 18-point game at one point. Okay. <laughs> but they were down 17 nothing to start this game. Best comeback, Biggest comeback in the XFL yet. And uh, L.A., can they keep the roll on, though? Let's finish off the recap. Uh, the roll, as, as Winston Moss referred to there, Bryant, with L.A. taking on Seattle on the road. Not easy. And their desperate Seattle team. Can LA is this a team that can put it together, or is it a team that's going to be good one week and just baffling the next week? Because that's basically what we've seen so far, and it's on. They're good on odd weeks. It's an even week, and they haven't been good on an even week yet. Um, right now it's going to be it's going to be loud. Uh, Norm Child's going to have to get those plays in. Uh, Josh Johnson seems to have settled down. Selden is, he doesn't care who's catching the ball as long as there's somebody there to catch it. Those, those floaters, you know, he's probably hitting those long passes down the, the field at like 50%, but they're throwing, he's throwing it to the point where either his receiver gets it or no one else does um, on the road. I think this will be okay for them. It'll, it'll definitely depend on what the dragons can do offensively. Can the, can the dragons score a lot of points? No, but neither did the guardians. So It'll be an interesting one to, to predict this week. But the Wildcats can get on a roll, will they? Uh, I'm going to give it to them this week. I'm going to give it to them right now. Uh, but right now the Wildcats need to stay on a roll because they seem to get into playoff position. And then they, they – like the playoff position for any other team is for the Wildcats to take, right? 
You have the Dragons, who aren't looking great. They haven't looked consistent for a whole game. You have Dallas, who's basically on the ropes, and, and no Landry Jones. They lost their offensive coordinator. They, they seem doomed, at least at this point right now. Houston is what it is. So can LA beat the two bad teams in their division to, to move on? And then it's going to be they, – they kind of have this in their own hands and it starts with this week. Uh, if they don't do this, then I think they're more done than the Vipers are now. Yeah, LA has – well, I don't know about that with how Dallas is kind of – we'll see how they tra- their trajectory – because the competition for LA, you know, this, this game's big because Seattle seems to be now stepping – into a spot where they need it, and also they they can get it and get right back into the mix. That's oh, I love this ten week season. Every game counts so much, and it's week to week. It's craziness, a kind of a seesaw with the parity in this league, but it's tremendous. But I will say, no team, like you said, kind of there, Brian is no team has looked the way LA's looked in terms of a team that looks like they could beat anybody. They look explosive on offense and ferocious on defense, but also they get in their own way sometimes. Can they avoid doing that uh, a bunch more? Because that New York game was just a head scratcher, and I mean they kind of they they did. They Elijah Hood fumbles in the Dallas game and they win that one. Um, but you know he hasn't seen the field yet since the, that game. I don't know. So Moss yeah, is not playing around. Really. That every he fired his really, defensive coordinator after one game. Of course he's not know, messing around. Alan, the, don't let the, t- the, the thirty four points. Yeah, this team you can't afford to make mistakes because you're you have to do your job for the Wildcats, as people like to say, or else you're not going to get the maybe opportunity. Maybe that's what he, maybe that's what Winston was talking about. You want it? You want your job? Well, I'm not going to give it to you right yeah. now. Um, <laughs> don't let the 34 points scored by the Vipers fool you too, because the Wildcats did shut the Vipers down basically for half this game, uh, second halfway through the second quarter, all the way up until like five minutes really in the in the fourth. So they were able to shut the Vipers down. I think when the Vipers opened up a little bit, when uh, Tressman said, hey, offensive coordinator, that I don't know your name right Jamie. now. Make sure you start passing on yeah. first. Jamie Elizondo, uh, make sure you start passing on first down some more, please. Did he say it politely? I didn't, I didn't go back and watch that yet. He did say – he just said you got to start throwing on first downs, and he threw a bunch of plays and lingo at him that I don't remember. But I do know my favorite play call so far this season has been 22-zipper which I think was the play Trey Williams scored on for Seattle. I'm loving the learning the verbiage, and now the I still haven't learned it. Well, the broadcasts are they're showing you what everything means a lot too. If you let me ask you a stupid question, Alan. Don't you think? And it's been baffling me for a while. A lot of stupid questions on this episode. Do you you think what what what? Why is it so long? It's so long. Can't you just say like? Put a card on somebody's hand. Say, look at line oh, 27. I don't have the time. To, we're ending the show, but just know. Okay, well, real quick, Alan, then. You've got real offensive line calls, pass. receiver calls, quarterback calls, protection calls. And then also sometimes you just have them That's all in fine. one word for, you know, certain situations. But base, we'll get into that base, 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 base. Uh, real quick, Alan, I have the standings up right now, courtesy of uh, XFL on Fox. Uh, the defenders... Uh, in the lead because they beat both teams behind them at three and two. Uh, the Battlehawks beat the Guardians. Remember, that's the uh, number one um, uh, tiebreaker. And then on the in the West, you have the Houston Roughnecks, who I think in two weeks they can probably clinch home field advantage. Uh, the Renegades, followed by the Wildcats, both at two and three. The Dragons at one and four. Uh, next week's matchups, Alan, they're going to be good as they always are. Uh, you have the Houston Roughnecks. And the New York Guardians starting it off on ABC at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks taking on the Tampa Bay Vipers on FS2. Make sure you take note 
uh, on Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern. And then on Sunday, the Dallas Renegades are going to visit the D.C. Defenders uh, on FS1 at 4 p.m. Eastern, followed by the Wildcats at the Dragons um, at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2, the dose. I don't, I don't want to talk anymore. June Jones says, says to end the show, so that's what we'll do. And we'll talk about all those games on our Thursday night edition of This is the XFL Show. Bryant, week five means we're done and we're halfway home. And uh, we are to, again, use the line we used at the top of the show, not living on a prayer because I, I really don't feel like I need to. I know I'm going to get good football every week from the XFL and tons of entertainment on the sidelines something different something fun and looking for more of the same it's only going to get better these teams i think are figuring out who they are even as their quarterback issues come up and other issues come up it's the beauty of a football season man we're having a blast doing these shows every single week thanks for subscribing on your favorite podcast app or watching us on youtube hi how you doing just call plays baby hi mom just hi dad call plays hi wife Hi, Grandma. You got anything? Uh, Alan, don't forget. Yeah, real quick, I'll do my little spiel here. Follow us on social media at XFL Show. If you're listening to us for the first time, subscribe, like Alan just said, on your favorite podcast uh, app. Uh, we're here every Tuesday morning, wait, Thursday wait, night. Wait, what uh, What podcast app do you use, Brian? I use Apple Podcasts. It podcast. doesn't matter what podcast no, app you use. I, I finished yeah. my sentence. Nice yeah. try, though. Nice gotcha. Try. That doesn't count. I got him. That doesn't count. I did it. Trey Williams, shout out. I think there's more I questioning marks than whatever. Like, like what, what is that on your T-shirt? I don't understand what that is on your T-shirt. That's four. Or four one, it doesn't matter what's on your T-shirt. Shut up. Also, catch <laughs> us on XFL.com or YouTube.com slash XFL, the official YouTube page of the XFL. All right. Uh, you need to play smart yeah, because you're in every single package for the show, Brian. So we need you available for Thursday. And I'm going to do my Moose Johnson Johnston to close out the show. Play smart and be ready because we're going to have a lot to get you set for coming week number six in the XFL. Thanks to Jonathan Coachman for joining us today. And thanks to you for calling in to the XFL fan line. Get on the show for Thursday. Do not forget 724-565-4XFL. And we'll play your calls right here on the next episode. For Bryant, I'm Allen. This is the XFL Show. Remember, they're listening.